All right, welcome to episode 10 of the Totem Realty Podcast, and I am so excited because this is where current events in bourbon and a very near and dear real estate topic to me uh, collide. This has been front and center of my real estate career for 18 years. I think in the first like three months, I was questioning my partners. Well, they weren't partners at the time. Clearly, they were my bosses about the insanity of this particular case. So uh, the headline is CBRE, the parentheses there is the largest global real estate company in the world, was sued for $11.5 million by the landlord at 601 West Street in New York um, in a relationship. Washington. Oh, sorry, Washington, D.C. Yeah, the landlord's from New York, my mistake. Um, over what is at the end of the day a dual agency case. A transaction. Yes, and I love it. I can't wait to dig into this because there's so many fascinating tentacles about it. So yeah, so even though it's a subject with a lot of blurry lines, um, I think oh, we should... I think they're black and white. Well, not the way the law is written. I yeah. mean, the way um, you know you interpret it with integrity and transparency. Yeah, maybe, but the way the law is written as of right now, so dual agency, just by general definition, mm -hmm. is where the same licensee represents both sides of a given deal transaction. So um, if Totem were to represent the landlord of an office building and then also bring a tenant to that office building and claim to represent them as well. Um, key so word there being represent. So there are situations where you represent a landlord and the tenant is unrepresented. But right? you find them. You bring right. the tenant, but you are not representing Correct. them. So there are, generally speaking, listing agreements or representation agreements on both sides with the brokerage. Um, and then by law, if you are going to be representing both sides, if you're going to be entering into dual agency, you need to have both parties consent in writing. If it is allowed in your state, there are like 10 states that dual agency is always illegal. Correct. In the states where it is legal, um, to my understanding, the requirement is that you have to have a written agreement with both parties stating that they understand you are the dual agent in the deal. Right. Um, so talk a little bit about um, agency duties and responsibilities, um, you know, because there's... Um, a fiduciary oh, he's got notes. Look at this. He is ready today. duty. I love um, it. Which is, sounds so fun to say. So talk about the, the duties you would have to a client, generally speaking, and then how that changes in a world of dual agency. I, I don't know where the changes. It simply can't be addressed in dual agency. You owe your principal in a fiduciary relationship First of all, loyalty. You are absolutely loyal to them. Everything that you do is in the best interest of the principal, excluding all other interests, including yourself. You owe them obedience. You have to do whatever is they request that is legal. Okay. You have to disclose. Now, this is not disclosing, yeah, we think there's mold here. This is, you have to disclose everything that you know about the other party. Okay. You have to give them complete confidentiality, right? I can't release any other information about what's going on with your business to any other party. 
You have to give them reasonable care and diligence. This is so awesome. And you have to have an accounting at the end of the day. All right, so. Wait, can I, can I just say something? I found a great acronym, Old Car. Old oh. Car. Just put that in your back pocket. Put that in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've gone so through this 150, 150 times, and I just keep on forgetting Disclosure, confidentiality, accounting, reasonable care. Those are the standard duties in an agreement of agency. Agency. Yeah, and as taught in real estate principles everywhere on the planet. So these are the these are what you owe a fiduciary. So it's you you simply can't provide them in a dual <laughs> agency scenario. Now the why dual, not? You cannot give absolute disclosure, confidentiality, and loyalty. Please remember that in a dual agency scenario, there are typically two different agents that are working on a transaction. In large companies, and specifically with CBRE, you had the listing side, the brokers on the listing side. Representing the landlord. Representing the landlord, and the brokers on the tenant side representing the tenant. And there's this- but that's more of a designated agency, isn't it? Well, it is, but the point is that the agreement is with CBRE, who That's, is the actual entity that the agreements are with. You don't have an agreement with the representing broker. You have an agreement right. with the actual company. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so the, in our case, you don't have an agreement with Paige or with Michael or with Kevin. You, you have, have an agreement with, with Total Realty. Okay. So you cannot have that. You can't be obedient to one and obedient to the other. This is my perspective of it. Now, in states that allow or districts that allow dual agency, they seem to think that you can navigate those walls. Actually, they don't. So to Paige's point, in states where it's allowed, what does the state say typically about a few of those six responsibilities? Yeah, it just becomes a transaction, purely transactional It says that, yes, you're a facilitator and both parties agree. Yeah, both parties agree that like half of those things get thrown out the window. The agent has no responsibility for disclosure, no responsibility for confidentiality, and no responsibility for you stole my list. No, no, and the in the lawsuit with CBRE, there's a violation. There's a violation. The the named items in the uh, lawsuit. There's a violation of the DC dual agency uh, protocol. There's a breach of the fiduciary duty, fraudulent inducement, fraud, and unjust enrichment. Allegations of all those things. Yeah, allegations. Allegations. That's what they are being sued for in the complaint. Right. Um, And it said that they're, one of the things I read, I'm sure, is encompassed in one of those allegations, but there was not appropriate documentation of the dual agency agreement of the landlord was alleging that it was not documented that they were entering into a dual agency agreement or that they were not accepting of the dual agency situation yeah and i feel like that is probably where this case will come down did they get accurate um you know uh, notice of dual agency, so I don't. I think we should avoid whether or not that did or did not happen. Yeah. Again, this but, is a this is a complaint. This is an ongoing lawsuit. Right. But I think that the linchpin piece of what this is going to weigh on is that the argument that the landlord is making is that CBRE misrepresented 
uh, Whittle School, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Whittle School's financial capacity. Oh, I don't even get there yet. Let's stick with just dual agency and then no, dig no, into no, those. No, 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 no. But I'm really excited about that. It goes better. back to the violation of, the, of one of the principles of agency, of fiduciary. They misrepresented the, these guys' capacity to perform. Right. And they were very intimate in understanding what their actual financial situation was and whether or not they could perform. That's what this thing is going to weigh on. Yeah, we're well, going to come full circle to that because it gets even better. It's, I mean, I I think it obviously comes back down to how well they documented the disclosure of dual agency because it's like you said, if they accept the dual agency, if they agree to it, they acknowledge in that that those confidentiality agreements got the window. Where I think Michael is correct, though, is if we do dig deeper, which I don't want to get there yet, I think it's going to, even if there was accurate disclosure, there's a whole nother layer of this case that then takes whatever that, you know, when you do get accurate disclosure and both parties sign off on it, then those parties agree that you can no longer act in confidence, act in full representation, et cetera. And that's when that case gets really, really interesting about disclosure and information that was being shared. But back to the roots i'm gonna continue to play devil's advocate and be like no but i i i really like xyz landlord he's a good friend i only want his best interests at hand i would never do anything to harm him and oh by the way uh this tenant they've hired me for the last 20 years to represent them like i always make sure they get good space what's wrong uh, why can't i represent both parties i've got they're both my clients I would never do anything that would be wrong for either of them. Well, it, by nature of a negotiation, I don't think that that's possible. <laughs> but of course it gets, because I'm going to make sure they both get a good deal. Oh, yeah. You're going to make sure they both get a good deal until the fact that one of them stops paying. So now I'm an aggrieved party. Obviously, if, if I'm not an aggrieved party. But even before party, they're I'm aggrieved. Gonna... No, I'm, they're, there's yeah. never going to be a lawsuit. Everybody signs the lease, goes on, collects their rent checks, pays their rent checks. Ten years later, everybody says, yeah, it was great. Until the point that someone stops paying and someone has actually experienced harm. No, but I'm it's saying not the, it's not the actual act of what is going on and when people come to come to a meeting of the minds and make a transaction. Oh, no, that's... It's the downstream of when something happens that who can I blame? But no, well, if, and, nothing, and goes if nothing goes wrong... goes wrong, you can't advocate for both sides. You can't truly advocate for both sides in a transaction. Right. So somebody's losing, even Correct. if they don't know they're lost. I agree Correct. with that. But that's so there's not, not there's a lack of integrity. That's what I was asking. There's that's a lack not, of integrity, no, no, a lack of transparency. That's not what you just described. You said, I've represented him. He's a really good guy. And I've represented these guys. You know, this is, let's just do this and we can facilitate this transaction. That is what you just described. And no one's going to care if there's a dual agency, if everyone's happy. But, but, they, the, but what they, somebody do, what they loses. don't know won't hurt them. They but both someone, lose what they at also the time don't because they don't losing. think downstream. Right. No one is looking what can happen. What is the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. I love it. Um, all right. Now yeah, what? Now can oh, we talk about this no, yeah, crazy you had shyster with the school? I, no. I don't think I have oh, another question. What's the crazy shyster with the school? Maybe I'm not sure what another level is. N no, and this is one of the most recent lawsuits. JLL 
also got sued. Uh, this well, I think the decision came this year. I think the lawsuit was in 2018. They represented um, a landlord and got sued because they didn't properly disclose dual agency within the lease document. In D.C., apparently, that uh, the dual agency has to be written in bold uh, capital letters to say that there is a dual agency scenario within the lease. And they got sued for a fee, uh, something not to the degree of uh, $11.5 million, but it was a 600000 or an $800,000 fee. And it is state by state. I mean, in Pennsylvania, there's no duty to have someone sign a dual agency. Um, Pennsylvania law assumes that the parties are sophisticated and that they have the right to go look up on the website what the law is. In Ohio, where we're also licensed, you actually have to have them sign a document that says, I absolutely understand that you are representing both sides of this equation, and I'm comfortable with that. And West Virginia, that we're also licensed in, you do not have to have a signed document. Yeah. So. Just have to have an agreement from both parties. Now, but it, typically there is a notice of agency relationship, not necessarily in commercial transactions, but in residential transactions, that you would have to have people sign off. Who is it that I'm uh, right. acting like on behalf? All the PAR forms. All the PAR forms, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. um, so this is just kind of like off the cuff. Do you think that there are people, are any of the industry organizations lobbying to change policy on dual agency? Or do you think no, because brokers, if they can represent both parties, can make more money? Or, I mean, you would just think that, like when I hear about these dual agency transactions, I think in my head, this is why people don't trust commercial real estate brokers. I think it's part of it. Yeah. I do think it's easy for us as a company of four to really understand the very black and white line between representation of a client because we all know about all of our clients and everything that's going on. But if you are the managing partner of the CBRE office in Washington, D.C., and you've got, I'm making this up, I don't know if there's 100 or 50 or 200 agents, um, and Paige, her livelihood depends on the ability to represent tenants. And she's got a family and a car and a house, and she's got to make those payments. And she is fortunate enough to represent, in this case, the Whittle School. And she um, is fortunate enough to go find them a space, going to make a lot of money, and then be able to profit from that. And then on the other side of the building, might not even know each other, probably definitely don't like each other. There's Michael, who, same thing, has a family, why, a house. Why are you perpetuating that? <laughs> hey, it is what it is. Because um, you guys are the cast of characters here. And he's got a family and a house and a car payment and all of that stuff. And he's been fortunate enough to find a client who happens to own, in this case, actually, it's a, a sublease situation. But... Um, the managing partner of that firm, how does he look at either one of those two people and say, you know what? We can only represent one side. Michael either wins or Paige either wins. What do you do? Yeah, but so... Well, also... but unfortunately, being King Solomon's a tough job, but you still have to be King Solomon. But, so to her question, is anybody lobbying to make it go away? Heck No. Because if you're CBRE, 
you want Paige and Michael to both work for you. You want them both to be able to make money because if they make money, you make money. So also, um, then explain the difference between that scenario that you just explained and designated agency. The law states that Paige can represent her client. Totem or Paige? Page. Totem, the agent. Totem, the agent, but Paige, the designated agent. And Michael, the designated agent, can represent So that's sides. what you just described, not dual agency. So do we know in this No, scenario? dual agency it's, it's, is the same thing. At the thing. end of the day, it's, it's still you dual You are the agency. designated agent in the dual agency situation. Yeah, and we can't converse. You guys and then I'm, have to put up a I'm Chinese acting wall. On, I'm, I'm acting on behalf of these guys. So there's and no difference acting. between designated it's and like dual agency, It's like we're separate really. companies, Paige and Michael. It's a part and parcel, meaning yes. designated agency is part of the dual agency concept. But See, I was mm -hmm. under the impression that dual agency is when, like, the same agents represent It even gets more than. Seller. Yes, it's even worse. Because I don't know that these articles discuss, outside, like, breaking down who in CBRE. Like, was it the same team? Because we've had it. I mean, I've had people on... Um, properties that we've had listed, God, I can't believe I did people the from out of state will inquire about buying the property and they're saying, I don't have an agent. Will you also represent me? I'm like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Get an attorney. Well, that's because you've been trained by people who don't believe in dual agency. But in the vast majority of companies, they would have answered that question. Yes, we can represent you, and we're going to designate Michael to help you. In in the situation of the JLL lawsuit, there were three people that represented the building. I won't mention their names. I could. <laughs> and there was one record, person whatever. that represented the tenant, all JLL employees in Washington, D.C., but they were separated, supposedly. But they still got sued regarding it. And then another question I have is, as an agent, you have a client, we'll use the Whittle School. They come to you and they say, I want you to represent me in leasing this space. Mm -hmm. And then you ask them for their financials. Like what, what because typically like as an agent, we get those financials from what the tenant, the client provides us. So what level of responsibility as the real estate professional do you have to verify the information that you've been given? Because this man sounds like... Reasonable care and right. diligence. Yeah, I just don't understand how the landlord can allege that he was not given, that oh. he, his interests weren't looked out for, or he was misled on the financials. Um, well, I'll be interested the, to see how that breaks down. The argument regarding that is because CBRE represents the Whittle School globally. Not before this happened. Pardon? After this happened. Well, I don't know. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. As now, part of doing this deal, they then were hired to represent the tenant globally. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. So that. that Do you is, think they were motivated? 
absolutely. To make the landlord believe that the financials were strong? I want to, I want to take a step back and just go into the fiduciary responsibilities. Okay, if you are representing both sides of the transaction, can you give loyalty? No. I agree. You can't give loyalty right. if you're representing two parts of, uh, of an equation. Okay. Can you give obedience? Yes. It's the only one you can give. You could still do anything they told you to do. If someone legal, told you to do something that was legal. You could do it. That is against the interest of the other party. Hold on. I, 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 I think that that was. You could do it. I, because it doesn't, take go the, it doesn't go into the other five. Could you provide obedience? Yes. Could you give disclosure? No. No. I can't tell you about what I'm thinking. You and cannot give that. Actually, hold on. You can on material in, facts, right? No. In but, due diligence. No, 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 no. In due diligence, or not due diligence, in dual agency rules, it says both parties have to understand that everything they say will be disclosed. So yeah. You, again, you would be able to provide disclosure in dual agency, and actually you're forced to provide it. But in the scenario that I just said that there were three brokers on one side and then one broker right. on the other side, they're still not sharing everybody's information because they're approaching it from a different perspective. But the, I understand what the letter of the law says, but that's not how it actually comes down in real which life. Which is exactly why there's a problem. Correct. Okay. Can the you letter give... of the law says anything you hear, you need to tell them. And the the brokerage company's position, in this case, you know, CBRE, their position would be I the managing partner, the broker of record, never heard that information. Because we were in a dual agency situation and XYZ brokers on this side and Joe on this side did not ever tell me anything. Which lies the crux of the situation. So does that absolve Do you really CBRE think, from wrongdoing? No, nothing if they could prove them, that it's no. true. If they could prove that the person who was the broker of record never knew anything that would be a detrimental fact to the other party, they would have a really law, they would have a good leg to stand on. They'd have a good leg to stand on. They would. In the, in the whole scheme of things. But if the company's going to make is, $22 million, because facts of the case are that the 11 and a half is only half the fee, by the way. So do you think that the managing partner of the firm didn't hear anything about this deal if they were going to make $22 million? $22 million plus the other cars. I would buy a lot pay. of cars. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a, a, a pretty large settlement regarding this. Anyways, but, but the other components of it, reasonable care and diligence, I'll give you that you can give reasonable care and diligence. Accounting? No. I don't, I, there's, you cannot fulfill the terms of fiduciary under a dual agency scenario. It just simply, it's, it's mutually exclusive. It can't happen. And even in a non-dual agency scenario to your question page about how responsible are you to understand the financials of the client, I think it depends how you, the agent, act. If you go to your client, say our client's the landlord, and the landlord says, is this, Again, no dual agency here. Other companies represented by a totally different firm. 
and your landlord client says to you, can they pay the rent? And you say yes, then you have a responsibility, courtesy of the responsible care and diligence, to say, I am an expert in financial wherewithal and I did everything I could to understand their books. But if your answer is, Mr. Landlord, I'm sorry, that's not my expertise. My expertise is providing you access to people who want to lease your space and I've done that. Now you need to go figure out if they can pay the rent or not, then you're good. But if you pretend to understand whether or not XYZ can pay the rent, then you've put yourself in a, you've put your company in a really, really bad place. You don't want to be in a situation where you're making statements about somebody else's wherewithal. Wherewithal. Be the source of the source and not the source. And if you don't do that, meaning you don't put yourself in that position, then you've got no responsibility to understand their wherewithal. But the, the point being that if you're going to represent somebody, if you're going to be a fiduciary, the whole idea of it is that you're putting their interest before yours. You are a professional representing somebody else in care of their property and their money and their wealth and so on and so forth. You, can, you simply cannot do that and say, oh, but I also represent these guys too. It's just, it just doesn't happen correctly. So it's, you know, again, this is a personal thing that we've been dealing with this for a long time. It's just kind of something Im embedded in our DNA that you just can't do it so you avoid those situations. And again, to me, as the broker of record here, there's there's no fault on the big companies no. or even the small companies who believe in it because the law allows them to do it. Um, but it is just, I think, impossible in practice. It is impossible. It, At some point in time, it's going to rear its ugly head. I feel like it is. And I mean, it's possible or impossible. No, it's rearing its ugly head. Oh, clearly. I mean, no, but think of all the times that it doesn't rear its ugly head in my example where everybody's friendly nobody knows who lost the person who was the dual agent made out like a bandit no one it, it doesn't rear its ugly head everybody's happy it but happens every is, day in home sales but every the, single day but the point is somebody lost somebody always loses in a scenario like that if but they don't know any better they don't know what they don't know. I also feel like it's a really gray area. It's just like a breeding grounds for distrust and abuse when you have a fiduciary duty to put a client's needs before yours, but then the more money they spend, the more your compensation is directly tied to that. Right. So we, even though you have the fiduciary duty, you are financially incentivized still to i mean if you're on the tenant side well well this is the other uh, this is a completely other podcast here but it's the independent contractor scenario Make too a note of that. which we've touched on that in yeah. previous yeah, podcasts the independent contractor i am it's already on the board let's not yeah no but but also it's 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 part and parcel to this because in the scenario let's just take the jll thing you have three people on one side that are focused on this is my side of the table, and then one person on the other side, and they're both basically arguing for, how do I make my living? And the idea of a fiduciary is, I put my interest before, your interest before mine. There's, there's an inherent conflict there, and the appearance of impropriety is in itself impropriety. Right. Yeah, we just, 
uh, worked on a project in a different state and uh, the people that we hired on the ground to help us with this, who we referred the business to, it's a small market. There's only like two or three agents in the entire market. And the first building we looked at, immediate dual agency issue, and we've walked away because we know there's no way that that individual, even though he's probably the most uh, experienced individual in the market can provide a, a good advice. He, he, there, it is impossible. It literally is impossible. I mean, he started the one conversation with me by saying, this guy's been my friend for 23 years. It'll all be good. I'm like, you met me yesterday. Right. Who uh, loses there? Who, who loses? Who loses? Somebody loses. Um, so now I, I, I've been patiently waiting and I just the thing that about this article that absolutely cracks me up is the side of the equation that's representing the tenant. Remember, landlord's the one who collects the checks, tenant's the one who pays the checks. So landlord only cares. Can tenant pay the bills, right? The side of this equation who is representing the tenant was helping the tenant raise money in order to be able to pay the bills. I mean, it is hysterical on so many levels. Also, I mean, a 600,000 square foot facility, and they also this is one of two. They have one in China somewhere. They were going to open one in the Bronx, you know, kiboshed those plans. Nationwide the Whittle School has 130 students. Uh, worldwide, <laughs> 130. That's a lot of square feet per person. <laughs> I saw I My jaw dropped. My jaw dropped. Everything about this is, where do they find these cast of characters? And who is this man? Who is this Chris Whittle man? He is like the next WeWork guy. Like, the fact that people are giving him money and that, it is wild. Like I cannot wait to see how this unfolds. And that's why I was asking the questions of what is an, a tenant representative's responsibility to investigate the claims that their potentially completely bonkers client is making? Oh, one step further, he, instead of investigating, he was telling He's his like, friends, invest listen, in this Listen, we can bridge the gap of the other 10 million you need. We Let's just hit the streets with some coffee okay, cans and collect we don't know. We don't know the financial capacity of the Whittle School. And we should not be saying that they're bonkers. Okay, but at the end of the day, there's a few questions that you pose there that Walks should be. Like a duck, a, yeah, a duck. There you what go. Is it? Walks like a duck. Yeah. Quacks like a duck. Yeah. But now, on, under the scenario that, that you just described, breach of fiduciary duty, fraudulent inducement, outright oh, fraud. But why? So that's the other thing is why. Why sue? Is there another suit against the tenant? Or oh, are they yes. going oh, after CDRE because they oh, have no. more money? Or what's the... There's a suit against the tenant for default, okay? But, but in addition... But in addition to, they're suing CBRE. It, and has CBRE said anything about countersuing they the countersu tenant? No, they've countersued the landlord the and landlord. said, you owe us the second half of the fee. Because, oh, because in agency law, the only thing required to collect a fee is to produce a willing, ready, and ably bodied 
tenant. And as far as CBRE's tenant side goes, hey, we brought you somebody who was ready, willing, and able. You signed the lease. That's your problem. You didn't do enough due diligence. I want my other $11.5 million. Procuring cause. And that stands up in court. There have been agents who have absolutely number of them. won huge sums of money on leases that never collected a check of rent. Because their argument was, it wasn't my job to decide if you could pay or not pay the rent. My job was to bring somebody to your doorstep. I brought them to your doorstep. You signed a lease. You owe me. You would think, though, the fact that one of these CBRE, CBRE agents involved, the fact that he was helping him fundraise may give cause that he knew but again <laughs> there was the, a funding gap there's somewhere. the person in dc there's the person in new york there's cbr cbre corporate there's so many different parts and parties to that whole thing yes the agreement is with cbre but there's 15 different people that were involved in that oh, i yeah. love this and i don't this know i mean i've obviously never worked for the likes of a cbre or a jll or one of the multinational major firms but is the agreement just with CBRE or is it with a team of C like it, it would lie with oh, a broker of record in, in that one state. of the CBRE yeah, offices? My understanding States. would be it would the be state. So there's a broker of record for the whole state of CBRE? No, in each office. You're right. In each office. So every office. Yeah. So how how does that cookie crumble? Because so you if, can't practice. But you're talking two brokers of record. In, in two different states, potentially. Correct. That are involved in this transaction. Which have to work on this via a referral agreement. Actually, this is this is a... This one. In, this is a suit that was filed in New York for an action that was done in D.C. But were both of the CVRE, was the tenant representative and the landlord representative, were they both out of the D.C. office of CVRE? I would imagine one of the know. brokers... We don't know. I would imagine one of the says, brokers. But I don't know. This is a this is a guess, but I would imagine one of the brokers was from D DC that was representing the tenant, and the landlord team was uh, from DC. Irrespective of that, if the landlord and tenant agents were working for different CBRE brokers of record in different states. That does not give them the right to operate in the other state. So they would have to have a cooperating agreement with another party in so that either state. either way, it's all getting filtered through the CBR. So no, I'll, I'm going to play it out and say that maybe there's a loophole here, right? So uh, Pence or Pittsburgh-based, uh, we'll just use Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh-based uh, broker is representing a landlord out of state. Pittsburgh or out-of-state brokers representing the tenant knows he can't use the broker of record in Pittsburgh, so he tries to go to the CBRE office in Philly. At the end of the day, there's only one broker license in the state for CBRE that then all the other offices are associate offices, so they all roll back up. There is only one in the state. Yeah. So the hierarchy of those organizations is broker of record in the state and then like associate market broker. managers or associate brokers that are the principals in or those the markets. managing directors of the different markets in that city. And their out-of-state counterparts don't have rights in those states. Right. Interesting. That sounds like a nightmare. Like there are two, lawyers like, whose only job is to deal with this. 
Yeah, that sounds terrible. The yeah. having to, especially because every office. I mean, the Pittsburgh office has what like fifty agents under one broker, and they deal with this every single day. It just doesn't no. make the front page of the paper. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, again, I don't know. I think it's a a personal thing where I just don't understand how it works. I can't understand how. Not to mention, they're like independent consultants the cons- or independent contractors. So you can't, like, I know that the managing broker has to have supervision over them, but how? In most Every offices, day? the managing broker is not even the the managing director. It's not even the is not even the broker of record. So think about that. So the the independent contractors don't even report to the managing. The they, broker of record, law, they, they report do. to the managing director on it. But, but con- oh conceptually, oh, I'm, I'm, pressure. I'm walking down the street and I'm a tenant looking for representation. And I see this sign everywhere I look representing these properties. How in God's name can they look at it and say, oh, well, I can I can trust these guys to act on my behalf. Well, clearly I actually they think don't they listen do. to the Totem Realty Advisors podcast. I think the reality is to the flip side of that, they say these guys are the best. There's signs everywhere. There's signs everywhere. I can yeah. trust them. A hundred percent that's what happened. But that's the problem with the whole thing. All right, we're gonna that... talk about that with independent contractors rules. Like that's gonna be the next podcast. Because that's what hundred percent what happens. They see the sign, they say we can trust those guys because they know everything. Well, I don't think that's an independent contractor thing. I think that's a but, but, no, it, public but, but, misconception. But, but never mind the tenant part of it. Never mind that's the tenant part of it. What about the landlord part? Landlord A, landlord B, landlord C, landlord D. They're all represented by one company. Because they, well, And say, whatever. well, okay. Because they're obviously the more yeah. sophisticated party. But they have the, the fear of missing out. So True, the fear of missing out. But the point is that they have to know... If you're looking at A, you're looking at B. But the fear of missing out, if they look at A, B, and C, and I'm D, and I didn't hire that company, I didn't get a look. The fear of missing out. I am. I'm telling you, that's what drives It's crazy. And these are big deals. But this is the recipe for disaster. At some point in time, someone is going to say, well, CBRE or XYZ company was representing this building here and my building's right here and it's the same thing somebody's getting sued all right that's so the next step we've got a wrap because we're going to do independent contractors next time um we're going to vote on bourbon first yellowstone yay or nay oh, i actually did enjoy yellowstone uh this is nothing to do with the television show yellowstone which uh is a great show for those of you that haven't seen it is this this is going to be he can't talk about bourbon without holding the bottle i know in his right. presenting it to well the, don't to the you camera. all right so he's a yay you were yay or nay well, i'm a yay i'm a schmeh yeah yeah i'm a I'm definite a yay. yay and uh, i am really bullish on the show too i've never seen the show but i'm bullish on the bourbon oh. all right who's gonna win is cbre gonna get their 11 and a half the lawyers <laughs> No, well, that's a fact. But is CBRE going to get their 11 or going to get to keep their 11 and a half and the next 11 and a half? Or is the landlord going to get all of their money back plus all fees? Uh, CBRE settles for something that is not the total amount. I don't know. I don't think we have enough information. Well, we have the information presented to us by BizNow right now. 
Let me caveat that. Do no. you think no no, do you think that they go the whole nine yards to fight that because they have such no. a national presence? No chance they go the whole nine yards. So you agree with the settle? I'm not I'm gonna vote last. Yeah, I mean I would agree. Statistically, I think it will probably settle. All right, let's rewind the tape. You're not allowed to settle. Somebody's got to win. Who's going to win? Oh, uh, no. Uh, Landlord. CV. Landlord. Landlord wins. Landlord wins for the other reasons, not for the dual agency garbage misrepresentation. That's what Landlord wins for. But I agree it's going to settle. But it's going to settle. But um, it, how is it misrepresentation if it's going to settle and the lawsuit against the tenant's going to pay for it? But if by dual agency you no longer have the accounting or confidentiality requirement of the agency relationship, but then you provided it anyway. What do you mean? You were not supposed to do those things. But how could the landlord expect appropriate? Like, um, what what was the allegation about like financial misrepresentation? Yeah, because they presented the financials, and they were so intimate no, with it because they were raising advocated money. for them. But didn't how could they advocate for them if they were? Well, that's where the details going to come out. But if the right. landlord's got emails from one party saying these are great financials, he's going to be like, well, and and, and but they what, couldn't say. How could you say these are great financials? I mean, if you are a co-agent, that's what they're going to lose because they weren't right? allowed to say that. So it would be stupid. It would be a fault on the landlord if he said if. But if he doesn't know any better. That sucks to suck. No. <laughs> the dual agency responsibility is on the organization, not on the landlord. The landlord's signing off on what it means, but you still, as the dual agent, have the responsibilities that you no longer can advocate for one side. Yeah, so you are just presenting information. What the landlord does with that information is the landlord's problem My, and responsibility. This suit claims they advocated for the tenant's financial position. Fraudulent inducement. Well, Have yeah, they just I said, think it hey, will Mr. come down landlord. to what that interpretation is, like what the actions of the, the agents involved at CB. My guess is they were advocating for the financials because they were about to make $22.5 million bucks. Well, I mean, the one the one part is what is what is twenty two and a half million dollars to CBRE to take this the whole nine yards, because they do they're the largest real estate company on the globe, so these guys produce a lot of revenue. Yeah, I'm struggling to purchase a vehicle, Michael. I don't think my brain can process the reason the implications it will, no, but of twenty two million it, in a it will settle, an organization like CB. It will settle because CB doesn't want to fight. Doesn't it. want they don't, don't want to fight it. They don't want. Nope. They want you guys are missing the whole kit and caboodle. Oh. They do not want a ruling that is in against dual agency. I they agree. will 100% settle. Yeah. Because if a court gets this and a court says this precedence, precedence is a agency. bad thing, they will yeah. definitely settle. Yeah. Mark and my words. It would always it will always be the financial the best financial decision to settle. Lawsuits are never about right and wrong. They are always about how much. And what sucks to suck is the guys or gals, I'm not sure which it was, representing both sides of this, they might have done everything right in their minds. They might have thought they That's were... That's what I'm saying. It's crazy about CB. Like the pressure that working the, in an agency that big... The specific agents might have or definitely thought they did 
do everything right, and they're taking this one on the gin. Gee, $23 million fee? I can't imagine those guys were really thinking about dual agency at that point. They're like, hey, did we put that um, that section of the lease in bold <laughs> caps locks? Can we? Oh, man. As they're jumping on their yachts <laughs> to celebrate the closed deal. Well, to the five of you Bad. who are watching this, this has been great. I love this topic. We will see you again Should we soon. Also, we're not going to give a shout out to Kelsey. Big news for Team Totem. Big news for Team Big Totem. Big news for Team Totem. We might actually start promoting our podcast because now we have somebody a to right help hand us. again. Right. So as of Monday, Totem is now four humans. Four humans again. And four we are whole so humans. excited. We're very pumped. And in three days has accomplished more than one could have expected. Yes. Agreed. She's making me very tired. Something tells great. me she might <laughs> she might be on the podcast sometime soon. Hopefully. Oh, she's I tried today. <laughs> All right. All that's right. a wrap. Well, cheers to Kelsey. Cheers to Kelsey. Cheers.